What a great start to our service today. Thank you each one for being in attendance. And folks are coming. They'll be joining us right along. And uh, among Gabe's family, Pastor and Mrs. Rodney Fretwell, uh, visiting from Indiana. How many of you know where Indiana is? I saw it on a map one time. No, I've been through it. And uh, good to have you here. Praise the Lord and each one of you. I want to speak to the subject right now of honoring our current serving members of the armed forces. And our armed forces in no particular order, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard. And obviously, obviously we've got active duty, we've got reserves, we've got the National Guard. We've got so many different aspects. I don't want to leave anybody out. When we come to Memorial Day, we always not only mention those who have given their lives, but also our POWs and MIAs. Don't ever want to forget about them. And even though we will never get the whole story from our government, and I don't want to sound conspiratorial, but just because information is not always forthcoming, we thank God for every person who has invested energy, time, and blood in our freedom. Our freedom is God-given. It's not earned. It's not earned. We certainly don't deserve the graciousness of God. And so we thank God for those who are on the front lines who have done so much and all those who are in support uh, areas as well. You know, with uh, the Washington, D.C., the greater D.C. area, we've got a lot of people that are contracted, that are attached in one way or another to military and to government. And every one of you are important to us. But I do want to greet in Fort Stewart, Georgia, our very own Emmanuel Hart. Let's give him a hand. Amen. God bless you, Emmanuel. Third year engineer. And uh, we also want to greet Charles Toro and family viewing. Charles is home from the hospital and he was recuperating. And uh, certainly that man has put his whole life and body into service for the country. And we appreciate Charles, Melissa, and the kids. And let's give them a round of applause. Amen. All right. Is there anybody present with us right now who is currently serving Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, National Guard Reserves? Anybody? 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 All right. God bless you. What branch of service, ma'am? Marine Corps. Let's give this lady a hand. Amen. God bless you. We could all say Semper Fi. Everybody say Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Amplify or Hua or whatever it is. All right, okay. Yeah, no, that's all right. She doesn't want that. All right, so we, I take that back. All right. Anybody else currently serving? Well, praise God for each and every one. I don't know how many thousands are involved in the military. Uh, extended, of course, millions of people. And this is certainly an area that we're well acquainted with in this geography of ours, the Washington, D.C. area. We've got bases all around and uh, operations going on for which we praise the Lord. Now, today's service, this entire service today, is dedicated to those who have done so much to provide for us our God-given freedoms. Thank you so much. On the front of the bulletin, by the way, you can get a copy of the bulletin in the back right now. Take some souvenirs with you, but, uh, and you can use them when you go to lunch today and uh, offer it to the servers and tell them to read the back and do what it says. The plan of salvation is on the back of every bulletin, every piece of literature that goes out of here. 
But uh, we have in the bulletin a number of interesting uh, articles I hope that you will uh, pay attention to. You that are online, if you'll tap in the right place, you will uh, be able to get a digital copy uh, of our bulletin today. On Armed Forces Sunday, we honor our brave military. Amen and amen. Before we get into the message today, let me just say a few words. When we come to the end of the service and we go offline, we're going to be receiving a special offering. We're in the midst of that special offering. It is six weeks in duration. It is project number eight now. I think it is project number eight. We are building a church in Africa. Amen. In Kenya, uh, East Africa, $9,000 will get you a church building. And uh, our veteran missionaries there are working with uh, an African couple. And what's outstanding about this African couple, uh, husband and wife came from opposing tribes. Say, that sounds like our marriage. No. No. This is really, this is a serious business. In Africa, if you are a member of opposing tribes, I mean, that's a blood feud. And they, they both got saved, and then they met each other and got married. So this is the couple that is going to be given le leadership to the church that we're building. By the way, we have raised about half of the money for the $9,000 so far in three weeks' time. And I need anybody that's got God's money run, run around your pocket. You need to give it today and use the envelope with the red writing on it, love offering, and write African church on it. And we're going to raise the remainder in this week and the next two weeks hereafter. And we're going to build that church to the glory of God in Africa. Praise the Lord. So help us with that. We love missionaries here. We love missions projects. We've had all of our missionaries covered during this COVID time. And we have added eight major projects during this time. And God has blessed each one of them. Now tonight we're going to be... Uh, privilege to meet and uh, once again become reacquainted with missionary Greg Davis. He'll be here with his kids and uh, they plan to join us for the evening service. Even though we do not have uh, missionaries in officially just yet, uh, we're working on a transition to do that. But we are certainly glad when they come by our way. The Merrimans came by, what, three weeks ago? And uh, we had testimonies and... Um, Took up an offering, large offering. Thank God for your generosity. Greg Davis, who's a missionary to Belize, used to be a missionary to the college and university campuses, I guess it would be Camp I, campuses. And uh, you talk about street preacher. You talk about a master of apologetics. Uh, with it, all of the uh, lack of free speech in the free speech areas on campus, you know what I'm talking about? He was able to go at it back and forth lovingly with people for years, and now he's a missionary to Belize, to the south of us, and we want everybody to come back tonight and be part of this, and we will hear testimony. I understand, according to Wally Connolly, Wally Connolly knows his music, he says those kids can really sing. So we're going to hear from them tonight, perhaps, uh, in the course sometime of the service, and I want you to be here. We will receive a love offering for Greg... Davis, I want you to come back. we got a message for you as well. All right, now, coming up in two weeks, we have Memorial Day. We will honor those who have given their lives for their country. And uh, then into the month of June, 
We'll be honoring those who are graduating, those who are being promoted. That'll be on the 27th of June. That evening, we will have the graduation of 50-plus students from the Bible Institute uh, sessions this year. We have the forms right here. We have them out in the uh, foyer as well. Pick them up. Those of you who are going through the series, uh, please get that turned into us so that we can have your certificates and we will have a, a, an online and uh, in-person graduation on the 27th uh, in the Sunday evening service. Now on the 20th, the week prior to that is Father's Day. and We want to honor all the dads as well. All right, I believe uh, we have uh, shared enough just to say God bless America and God bless each of you who have served so faithfully your country. All right, let's take our Bibles, please. And let's turn to our scripture. Our scripture is found in 1 Chronicles chapter number 7 and verse 11. It should not be hard for us. Anybody ever been to a convenience store? This is 1 Chronicles 7, 11. All right, so 7, 11. All right, I know that's where some of you stop on the way to work every single day, if it's not one of the other convenience stores. All right, 1 Chronicles 7, 11. And it says in that verse, All these the sons of Jediael, by the head of their fathers, mighty men of valor, were 17,200 soldiers, notice this, fit to go out for war and battle. Fit to go out for war and battle. I believe not only that we should honor our Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and all of our military past and present in our church. We should also honor those who have been faithful soldiers of Jesus Christ. Soldiers of Jesus Christ have to be tough. That's what the Bible teaches us when Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Please turn there with me. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We have displayed our flag. Our flag as Americans represents everything that ideally this nation stands for, all the good upon which it was established. Flag Day, of course, is coming up on June the 14th, and we want to keep old glory waving. She represents, after 244 years, a lot of history. Patriotism is love of country. We honor those who honor America and what she stands for. Uh, a further, a further dimension. Uh, all those who have bravely stood for Jesus Christ and all that the Word of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ stands for. We, we honor all of these. And the book of First Chronicles is a history of Judah and Israel from Adam to the Babylonian captivity in 536 B.C. Culturally, First Chronicles is important to Old Testament Jews who want to preserve their name and their legacy after their death. 
We have a legacy. We have something to preserve as well. Those who have gone before us have done well in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We stand on the, so on the shoulders of some tremendous men and women who refused to shrink from their duty as believers and they kept their vows by the grace that was provided through the Lord Jesus Christ. They were able, they were willing and they were able by the grace of God to do a good job. And one day they will hear from the lips of their commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, well done, good and faithful servant. When Paul came to the end of his life, he declared, I have fought a good fight. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. The words fought and fight are interesting. They carry some heavy meaning. They cover the whole uh, agony of fighting and accomplishing. Fierce competition. Now, you may think that there is some kind of competition between the Army and the Navy when we have the Army-Navy football game. You may think that the various branches, when, when we have a full house and we have um, dozens of representatives of each branch of our government having served faithfully, that there's a lot of competition between the branches of service. But, but that's, that's not to the point of blood, at least it should not be. When it comes to standing up for Jesus Christ, standing up for country, that is to the point of being willing to give our blood, willing to give our life. There are some things in this world that are worth dying for. There are some shames and reproaches that are so severe that we would be willing to die rather than experience that shame or that reproach. We want to be willing to stand up for that which is true. When Attorney Gibbs defined before the Supreme Court of the United States back in the mid-20th century, the difference between conviction and preference. He said a preference is not something you will die for. You may differ. You may feel strongly about it. You may even go to great lengths. You may even separate from somebody over preferences. I don't. But you may. But a conviction is that which you would be willing to die for. There are some things in the ministry that I would say are preferences, and I'm not going to die on that hill. But there are some things that are convictions, and I am willing to die. We need to be willing to give ourselves. The Apostle Paul talked about dying daily. In effect, spending and being spent for a cause that's godly and that's good. As we think about the Apostle Paul, he fought a good fight. He kept the faith. He finished his course. That course is track. It's a track where you keep on running until you're finished. You keep on going until you're done. Keeping the faith has to do with uh, keeping a watch like soldiers on guard. They dare not go to sleep or they'll be shot in wartime. So they remain awake no matter what it takes to be on watch, to be on guard. That's what we are as believers, representing the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm holding in my hand is so important that I will not, uh, I will not uh, go to sleep on the job. I will not shrink from my duty. I will step up and by God's grace, which is sufficient, I am willing to be a soldier of the cross. Isaac Watts 
was the great hymn writer of the 1700s. I have a little Watts hymnal, and uh, it is leather-bound. And you don't have any notes in it, it's only words. But one of his famous hymns that has survived and is in our hymnal, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own His cause or blush to speak His name? Are we ashamed of Jesus Christ? Then he asks a question, the second verse. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Think about that. Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood in this vile world? Of, is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? And that's a rhetorical question. And the answer is no. You cannot run up the white flag in this world and say, I'm at peace with the world, the flesh, and the devil. For about five years of the beginning of J. Frank Norris's life, in his own autobiography, he said in his own words, for the first few years of my ministry, I, I pastored, he said, I wore a long frock coat with tails on the back. And we had this committee and that committee and this committee and that. And we had committee on committees. And he said, I was at peace with the world, the flesh, and the devil. He said, I finally got sick to death of it. He was invited to preach some place where he had to get on a train. And so as he was getting his bags together, and um, he said to his wife, when I come back from this series of meetings, I'm going to tender my resignation, and I'm going to get out of the ministry. And his wife, J. Frank Norris's wife, said to him, when were you going to start? Boy, that shook him up. Those ears rang in his head all the way to the revival. Something happened at that revival. It caught on fire and so did J. Frank Norris. He came back to his church. Now, there is a place for participation. But they had committees on committees on committees on committees. He came back. He fired them all. He fired, he fired the choir director in that case. Thank God for our choir director. But in that case, the choir director was a beer guzzling a Dutchman, and he fired him right out. And he said, you can't do that to me. He said, I just did it. You say, well, he's going through there. Rough shot. How can he do that? Because there comes a time. There comes a time. If you read about any of the soldiers in the Bible, they had to at some point decide it was time to draw blood. And figuratively, here's what I'm saying. When the church of Jesus Christ becomes a social organization, it ceases to be the church of Jesus Christ. This should be a soul-saving station. This should be a lighthouse for souls to come to God through Jesus Christ. This should be a place where the faith is defended without backing up, without apology, and it shall ever be God helping us. Sure, I must fight if I would reign, increase my courage, Lord. We need to pray for courage. We need to pray for courage in raising our kids, in conducting our families, in in being a, a Christian soldier on the job, out in the world, with all of the temptation, with all of the compromises that are out there. And we ought to stand up for Jesus and be a soldier of the cross. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. amen. I'll bear the cross, endure the pain. Now somebody might say, you got any, uh, you got any padded crosses? I'd like to have one that's got nice thick padding on it. When you pick up the cross of Jesus Christ, you do so voluntarily, but there are no padded crosses. They're all rough. Every one of them. They're heavy, they're rough, but
But God gives grace, supported by the Word. Thy, now, here's two verses you don't normally find. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer, though they die. They view the triumph from afar and seize it with their eye. When that illustrious day shall rise and all thy armies shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory, the glory shall be thine. What am I saying to you? I am saying that we have exchanged the real New Testament Bible ministry for something that's watered down and compromised that's designed to make everybody feel good and make sure we don't rub the fur or the feathers the wrong direction. It is not my goal, number one, to make you upset. It is not my goal, number one, to bother you, to, to antagonize you, to irritate you. That is not my goal. But my number one goal is this. Regardless of what it does, I'm going to please the one who has called me to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. And I would think less of any person here who didn't say the same thing. Doesn't matter. Now, we don't intentionally want to bother people. But we intentionally want to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I intentionally want to give fits to the devil and to the world and to the flesh. Amen. I'll amen myself. Nobody else amens me. Amen. The Christian life is a warfare. It is, as someone said, it's a battlefield, not a boudoir. I like that. We are insured of power. Of power. We are empowered to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I preached this on Wednesday nights in Ephesians chapter 6 for over a month. We went through all the armor. We saw that we have been provided for. We've been given everything that we need. As we stand in peril, it is real. It is genuine. There are some folks that haven't given the devil any kind of a fight in so long that, that the devil says, hey, we don't even have to move any of our troops over here. We already got them. We already got them. That's it. And where is the focus now? On the little independent Bible-believing Baptist church. That's where it is. You stand for this book right here. I stand for this book. See, I don't have to change it. It changes me. Amen. He's given us protection. He's given us, he's given us the, the, uh, the wonderful resource of prayer. We preached on that with Chris Ostom who said, Prayer has bridled the rage of lions, extinguished ways, wars, rather, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, assuaged disease, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course, and arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. Now, I can go back and we could take each one of those, we could talk about it. It sounds like a rundown of Hebrews chapter 11. All of those named and unnamed heroes and heroines of the faith that were willing to stand even to the point of death. That's where God's people find themselves today. So back in 1 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11, our little text, you may think it's just a listing of some names of some people, but these were sons of Jedi Ael, the heads, the family heads of their fathers. This Jedi Ael uh, was a Benjamite like King Saul. He had a 17,200 warrior descendants. And his name means the knowledge of God. What, what does your name stand for in the whole economy of Christianity? A good name is rather to be chosen than riches. Our reputation, according to Proverbs 22.1, is more important than having a big house or having a big car. Don't forget who we are and who we represent. He came as the lowly servant. 
He lived and He died for you and me. One day He comes back as the conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. He rides on the white stallion and He does so to represent who He is. He is the leader. He is the conqueror and praise God for Him. When do we become a soldier? We become a soldier not just when we think we're one or when we call ourselves one or when we set a goal to be one. We can play soldier, but that doesn't make us a soldier. We can sign up and be recruited. We're still not a soldier. You can go to boot camp and still not be a soldier. You're still a trainee. Before you can truly be called a soldier, you have to go through basics, go through school, and get assigned. And after you've moved on through AIT, which is advanced individual training into your specific career field, then you can start talking about uh, your MOS, your military occupational specialty. You'll be assigned to a unit. Now you're part of something. Now you're somebody in a something. Now you're doing something. You aren't just walking around. Say, man, I, I sure want to wear the uniform. You're like Ernest T. Bass in Mayberry. He stood in line to get recruited to, to go into the army so he'd get a uniform so, so the girls would like him. Didn't realize that he wasn't a soldier just because he had a uniform. And neither are we. We say, I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. The question is, have you been through basics? Come on. Have you, have you been through the Word? Do you know what it means? Do you know how it applies to us every day? Do you know what the Bible says about being a, a Christian, an individual, a worker? Does, does, does this ring true with anybody? Do you know what the Bible says about being married? Do you know what the Bible says about raising kids? Do you know what the Bible says about living as a citizen in the United States of America? You see, we're not really soldiers unless we've been through training. We're not really soldiers until we've been assigned to a unit. Somebody says, well, I'm just a member of the Invisible Universal Church. How about getting into a visible one? How about getting into one where you can actually serve the Lord in a capacity? Come on. That universal invisible thing doesn't receive any offerings, doesn't support any missionaries, doesn't win any, doesn't do anything. But the local, the local church, that's where God is working right now. And it may not be glorious. It may not be glorious at all. You say, what glorious thing am I going to get to do? You may get to get greasy from the, from the tips of your fingers up to your elbows while you're working on a greasy old bus or something like that. But praise the Lord for that. Maybe you'll be working in a restroom or wake, working outside or cleaning up or sanitizing in here or doing some other thing. And while you're doing it, you're getting sweaty, you're getting dirty. You see, the service of the King of Kings requires that we give ourselves, we sacrifice, we lose our own identity in the identity that it has for us, just like you did when you went to basics. Bible talks about striving to be a good soldier. And these soldiers in 1 Chronicles 7, 11, they were soldiers, number one. Two, they were fit to go out for war. Fit to go out for war and battle. We're talking about an actual battlefield. We're not talking about blanks. We're not talking about a simulated battle. We're talking about a real battle. Not a simulation, but reality. And in that battle situation, we, we become hardened in our exterior. But hopefully, no soldier of Jesus Christ ever gets a hard heart. We need to have a hard exterior. Because everything that's going to be said about us will not be complimentary. In fact, 
the, 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 um, when we pass away, it's, uh, you can consider yourself blessed if, uh, if the fans outnumber uh, the cheering section that are glad that you're gone. What I'm saying to you right now is that it's not going to make you the most popular person on the planet to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. These soldiers in the Old Testament were fit to go out for war. They were constantly learning, improving, honing their essential skills. It is necessary to do that. Now, in a real battlefield situation, your goals aren't just to scare the enemy. Most occasions, the goal is to kill the enemy and destroy his stuff. You say, oh, don't talk about that. We are not pacifists, folks. That's reality. In a real battle, in a real war, the goal by the military is to kill the enemy. As long as the war is going on, kill the enemy, destroy his stuff. Come on! That's it. Now let's spiritualize it for a second. We are in a battle, on a battlefield for Jesus Christ. What is our job? We're not going to actually draw physical blood. Our goal is to destroy the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our job is to stand up for Jesus Christ. Our job is to make it possible for Jesus Christ uh, to have His will and His way in the lives of people. The devil's strategy is just the opposite. So much in this last year has been aimed at churches. I'll say it again. So much in this last year has been aimed at churches. And that's not right. Even on the basis of what's fair and equitable, churches ought to be treated with the same treatment at least as worldly things, as ungodly things. Close down the churches, but open the bars. Close down the churches, but open the massage parlors. Close down the churches and open the abortion clinics. Listen to me. That's not right. There are some leaders who will answer to God. Not to me, but to God. And we have a responsibility to stand up. I have freedom of speech. Therefore, I will exercise my freedom of speech to say that's not right. And let me say also, they may try this again. And if they do, they're going to have the same problem with God. You don't do the same thing over and over and over and expect a different uh, outcome. That is the, is the clinical definition of insanity. You do the same thing over and over again, you're going to get the same result. And if you're in trouble with God right now, my friends... You're going to be in trouble later on if you do the same things. So we need to get right with God. This nation needs to turn around. This nation needs to go the right direction. You know who's going to help this nation to go the right direction? Say, oh, if we elect so-and-so. That's not the answer. That may be helpful, but I'm going to tell you right now. If Mr. and Mrs. born-again believer on your street decides to live for Jesus Christ and raise their family according to the Word of God, and talk like Christians, and act like Christians, and behave as Christians ought to behave. That's the best thing we can do to bring revival in this country. We need to have mental and emotional and spiritual soundness and balance. We need to obey orders. We need to do so without hesitation, without variation. My Bible has never stopped saying, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. In the Christian life, we're in a spiritual battle. We are under orders. If you love me, keep my commandments. Obey the Bible. Obey the Word of God. Do it diligently. Do it wholeheartedly. Promise to God's people has been given. 
time and time again. That if we do that, if we do that, God is going to bless. Obedience brings God's blessing. So we're soldiers. Number two, we're fit to go out for war and battle. And three, they are listed here in 1 Chronicles 7:11 as mighty men of valor. Wow, there were 17,200 of them. That speaks, that speaks of a great influence. Praise God. You will never know this side of heaven how much influence you have had for God. Nor, on the other side, how much influence you have had for the cause of evil and wickedness if we don't live for God. Someday in eternity we will see it all balanced out. We'll understand how it was. But right now we need to make sure that we fit the mold of mighty men, mighty women of valor. This speaks of courage and conviction and genuine confidence. The Lord spoke to Joshua after Moses' death. Joshua had been tapped by God to succeed the man of God, Moses. And Moses, as a good mentor, did this. He magnified Joshua in the eyes of all the people. I hope you understand that it is God's plan for continuance of this ministry to always have one, two, three deep, to always have people coming up the line, to always have trainees, to have mentors, uh, mentoring protégés. That is God's plan. And while we're mentoring, we need to inculcate and instill in those that are coming up the line the same principle so that the torch is handed from one to the other without variation. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 6, be strong and of a good courage. Now, if, if, the, if the verse had gone this way, well, you don't have to be quite as strong, but you better be sort of strong. And the next, the next generation will be, well, you don't have to be strong at all, just as long as you're average. No, the commandment then is the commandment now. Be strong and of a good courage. There it is. And then it says in verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous, thou may observe to do. Verse number 8, This book of the law, the Bible, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The only place in the Bible we find the word success, it's connected with the word of God in our life. There it is. There it is. God's presence with us is dependent upon our holy determination to be obedient to His Word. That's it. That's what's going to make us mighty. God looks at us through the prism of potential. You recall when, when God's people had come under the yoke of bondage to the Midianites and Gideon was out there and he was, he was hiding and he was... He was threshing wheat because they had a, a scorched earth policy. They were destroying all of the grain. And he was just trying to get a little something for them to eat. And he's back out there and he's afraid for his life. And the angel appears to him and says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Here he is shaking in his sandals, scared to death. And the angel says, thou mighty man of valor. Valor. If I were Gideon, I would want Gideon who? Some other guy named Gideon. Not me. It's another Gideon. No, it was that Gideon. Because God was looking through the prism of potential. What he could be if he was obedient. And look what was accomplished. How 300 of them absolutely uh, wreaked havoc among the enemy. Think about that. God's presence with them because of obedience. 
I was walking to a train late one night when I was a student in Bible college. I was surrounded by townies. I've told you this story before. They stood around. I had no doubt in my mind they were going to try to do mayhem to me. I put down my guitar. I put down my valise, my, my luggage, and I took my Bible out from under my arm. And this fellow who reeked of alcohol, who was obviously the leader, came up and in my face he said, Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? And I don't have any idea where it came from. But I took that Bible and I shook it under his nose and I said, I'm ready to die. Are you ready to die? And he began to shake. I have no doubts who made him shake. He began to shake and he said, come on guys. And they got in the car and they sped off. Then I began to shake after that. I had just experienced personally, on a very personal level, the deliverance of Almighty God. Do you know where your boldness comes from? It doesn't come from the fact that you are such a big, powerful, and amazing person. It comes from the fact that we have a big, powerful, and amazing God. And He's going to protect us and take care of us and watch over us no matter what. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. I don't know who wrote Hebrews, but I, I know this. I know this. The boldness to speak the truth in love, to stand up for Jesus, to never compromise, to never give in. That comes from one source. That comes from the Lord. That bold, frank, forthright speech. This kind of bold speech is known as confidence in the Word of God. And praise God that we have that confidence. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. How many of you today would say, Preacher, something... Something in the message today spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. Maybe it is that right now you need to have a, an infusion of that kind of biblical confidence. It comes from the Word of God. It comes from being obedient to the Word of God. It comes with our willingness to do what He says uh, without variation, without hesitation. And how many of you today would say, I'm a born-again Christian. I'm saved the Bible way, and I want... To, to go on record right now that the Lord can have me lock, stock, and barrel. He can have every part of me. I'm giving myself wholeheartedly and unreservedly to Him as Lord of my life. Put your hand up high. Come on. I'm a born-again Christian. I'm giving myself wholeheartedly to Him. He's Lord of my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Maybe right now you need to make a decision in your heart, in your life. There's some area of your life you need to pray about. Something that needs to to be adjusted, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. If it's that you've been saved, but you've never been scripturally baptized, I'll be standing down front. And I want you to come from where you are and say to me, I've received Christ as my Savior, and I want to follow Him in believers' scriptural baptism. Or maybe you've been saved and baptized, and you want to join the church. I want you to come from where you are and say, I'd like to join the church. We'd be glad to talk to you about that. Maybe you're coming today, and you're just coming to pray about something in your life or you're praying for someone else, then just come and find a place. Don't even have to speak to me. Just come and have a word of prayer and then go back to your seat. But most importantly, if you couldn't raise your hand as a child of God today, you need to get saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray from your heart to God right now? Here's what you pray, something like this. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. 
I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins. And take me to heaven when I die. Take me to heaven when I die. Bless you.